0: This audio program is a ministry of Clear Note Fellowship. For more information, go to clearnotefellowship.org. Well, it's very good to be here with y'all. It's a—I uh, like coming here. You are—you are all very privileged. This is only the third time I've tried to do this. I was born barely on the right side of the last century, and. I've used an iPad for years, but I just recently started trying to to uh, speak from it. But just in case, I've got <laughs> if if I look down and I'm looking at Drudge for some reason, and <laughs> and I don't know how I got there, or it goes dark, I've got the same technology the Apostle Paul used. So. We are considering in this first talk the the phrase, the nation's rage, and that implies the question that is asked in the second psalm and in uh, Acts chapter 4, why do the nations rage? What is the tumult about? What is the conflict about? What is the long war all about? In in, In the first pages of Genesis, after our first parents sinned, God established antipathy, between the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. And consequently, all attempts to have a world without that antipathy are bound to fail. God established the antithesis. God established conflict between light and darkness. So the nations rage for a reason. What I want to do is provide a quick overview of the second Psalm, where this phrase is is taken from, and then apply it to the confession of Christ in the public square. What does it mean to confess Christ out in broad daylight? What does it mean to confess Christ when you're risking something? And I want to end by answering the question, what is the nature of the conflict between Christ's church and the world? What is the nature of the conflict between Christ's church and the world? And I'm going, to give a, uh, I'm going to run to the end and tell you part of my conclusion before I work through this material. The, the reason we have conflict, the reason there is conflict, is this is the result of the world wanting to remain the world, and the church wanting to become the world. The world wants to remain the world, and the church wants to become the world, The old humanity wants to remain the representative humanity, and the church wants to become the new humanity. Now, Christ, of course, has established the new humanity forever and ever. It cannot be undone because Christ is the new man. Christ is the perfect man. We are all charged as Christians to put on the new man. That's what we're doing. That's the the task of sanctification. We are all becoming the new man. We're growing up, it says in Ephesians, into a perfect man. Well, what what does that mean? Well, Christ is restoring the image of God in us. When God created Adam and Eve, uh, they were created together, male and female, the image of God. Together, they constituted the image of God. Sin fractured, marred, and vandalized that image, but it did not eradicate it. It vandalized it, it marred it, but it did not remove it entirely. We know this because after the fall, In Genesis 9, when God gives the death penalty for for murdering a man or even requires an animal to be killed, if an animal kills a man, the reason given is because man is made in the image of God. Man is made in the image of God. Even non-Christians are made in the image of God. Uh, The human race is the ruin of God's image. It's like uh, years ago, Nancy and I went to uh, St. Andrews in Scotland